Thank you. I'm interested in your choice of words when in the question, what are you practicing right now? Or what am I practicing right now? I've asked what's going on right now um, and things like that and other things. <clears throat> but I'm really interested in that word practicing in that sentence. Could you expound on that? So we're always cultivating or practicing something in any given moment. It might be equanimity. It might be spaciousness. It might be, uh, we, we might be obsessing or ruminating about something or it, it, we might be in the middle of enjoying nature or we might be just very, it might be mindfulness. We might be very mindfully following our steps or we could have a certain sadness or sorrow um, that is present. The question, what am I practicing in this moment, allows us to make a choice about whether to continue practicing that. Sort of the, the whole framework of mindfulness is based on our ability to not only reflect, but cultivate presence, to cultivate certain mind states that are beneficial to waking up. And that involves, that element of presence involves not only wakefulness, but the freedom to choose. Um, you know, I, sometimes I quote this, this uh, woman named Naomi Watts who has this poem that says something like, you know, pay attention to what parties you're going to. Think of yourself as a leaf who could be blown around to any party. And rather than being blown around, notice, am I at the ruminating perseveration party? Am I at the unworthy party? Am I at the fear party? Um, I think last year I told you, uh, or told the yogis that were here, that as a little girl, I loved cowboys. And uh, the cowboys have a great saying. If you're riding a dead horse, dismount. So, you know, just get off of it and go somewhere else. So there may be some, and, you know, there are some very pleasant states of mind that it's wonderful to just be in and enjoy. But in order to cultivate happiness and contentment and equanimity, you have to know you're happy and content and equanimous and notice what's around you um, and what it is that brings those things up in you. Does that help? The premise of that question is that we're in the space of doing something. In other words, that there's an intentionality, some directing of practice. Now, there are going to be times, thank goodness, that we're in being states. There's no doing, there's no practicing, there's just being the awareness that's here. In which case, that question's no longer a relevant one. But many moments, um, the what's going on in our in our experience is actually being driven by some intention, and some intentions are more um, fruitful than others. So just becoming aware of what is driving our attention then gives the choice, and that's what makes it powerful. Hi. So I was wondering if you could give some guidance on sitting when there's a lot of physical pain. I'm struggling with that this retreat. I'm a lot of physical pain. I'm going to let you. Do yeah. 
So can you um, say a little more about thus far um, how you're working with what's coming up? Well, I've tried a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, tried lying down, so positional stuff. I've tried getting mad and saying no and then holding in compassion the mind that's getting mad and saying no. Um, I've tried focusing on non-pain. I think by the end of yesterday I finally got to kind of breathing into the pain and saying, you know, okay, you're not an interference to my practice. I guess you are my practice. And Mm. trying to hold that with divine presence and kindness. Now, how did that go? That went better. I had the sense you were, or you're, you're really finding your way beautifully, actually. Um, if we could do a hand raise, how many have been working with some pain this time? So, so we're in good company with these human bodies. And um, then the question comes, what's our attitude towards it? Because that's, that's going to determine whether we find some freedom or we're at war with what is. And it sounds like a lot of the trying out things had a little bit of a conflict with the pain. And, and that doesn't mean it's not very intelligent to try things out at times. I mean, it really is. We, to experiment to see what gives ease is compassionate. And there's no freedom unless we find a way to be in relationship with what's there where there's some agreement like, okay, this is the reality right now. And almost this willingness, okay, breathe in, let me touch it some. But to make sure that with the out-breath, there's a sense that, just try to find the space that can hold it, because we tend to narrow around pain. So contact it, but also sense the sounds and the room and the parts of your body, perhaps, where there's um, more pleasant sensations. That can be really, really helpful just to go to the neutral or pleasant zones, um, but mostly not to be at war with what is. So I'm glad you named it, and thank you. Yeah. You gave us a little mini Dharma talk. Thank you. So Sherry, thank you. There's part of me that's really grasping at everything you're saying because I don't know when I'll see you again. I'm not writing anything down. So I, I'm paid at work to... I do cost-benefits analysis, among other things. I'm paid to tell the government how to spend its money. I'm paid. That's my job. And it involves a lot of the types of questions that are, let's just say, counterproductive, the, the types of questions that are all around construction and solidifying. And I... I I lead a team of people where they're constantly, although once they're around me for a while, they, they begin to understand my style, but, but there's this continuous looking at me for, well, okay, Beth, put this in a construction and, and make it solid for us so we know where to go. And I, the more I'm in mindfulness, the more I'm aware that it, Counterintuitively, there's, there's a relaxing of this, grasping, that, that, that that's what the culture is. I mean, we all work in a culture, whatever the work is, probably where we're just constantly grasping at something like this. 
So I find, I find myself okay in the middle of the day. I'm going to sit here and just be aware. Okay. And more, more often than not, that will lead to clarity around decisions that work. But there's still that having to go to the decision. Otherwise, there's nothing that comes out of my work. So I, I'm trying to balance. I don't even know if it's a balance. I mean, and you know, so I come home from work and that's, that's, that's where my mind's going, blah, 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 blah. I wake up in the morning. If I'm going to work, that's where my mind's going. Oh, my mind's going there. Okay, let go. But it's hard because when I'm at work, that's, that's what I'm asked to do. Even though, actually, when I'm not relaxed doing it, it's, it's not that productive. I'm wondering how I live in those two worlds. Well, um, that is a, a question that it'd be so wonderful if we could really spend some time with. Because, um, actually, right now I'm in the process of writing about how to apply the Dharma to organizational life. Um, because people have so many questions about it, and um, that was a big part of it for me. But it's also important to remember that the doing mind does have its place at work. It's not that the doing mind is this bad thing. It's just that it's overdeveloped at the expense of the being mind. And there are times that call for analysis, for problem solving, um, and to have work that brings out that kind of creativity for you and that kind of big picture thinking I think is one of the biggest blessings of all. Now there's also a way to involve a team of people in those decisions and to help people step into their own freedom rather than having them all dependent on you and that involves a whole series of how you put things out there and being clear about it. So, for example, if the decision is one that is going to come back and bite you and that you're going to be responsible for, you might do something like, I'm reserving the right to make this decision, but I really want your input. I'd really like your input. Groups make better decisions than individuals, but I'm reserving the right to make the decision. Or it might be something like, I'm going to trust the group we're going to make this decision together. We're going to develop criteria and we're going to make the decision together as a group. But where leaders get into trouble is where they say it's one way. In other words, the decision is yours and then they, they, their people don't make the right decision and they grab it back. There's nothing that will destroy fat, a trust faster than that in organizational life. So sometimes when one's in a leadership position, one has the ability to do a lot of uh, different ways that look different of bringing the Dharma and that sense of opening into one's team. Uh, just, the, uh, just the fourth mindfulness training or the fourth precept where when you make a commitment to not gossip or 
say things without taking it to the person who can do something about, I have found that it is possible to create ground rules for teams that people will help you enforce, that they believe in, but then we all have to create them together. I can't as a leader call those unconscious, you know, I can't as a leader hand people a policy manual and say, follow this. With those kinds of unconscious agreements that start to affect how a team functions, we have to call them into being, examine them, and create different ground rules that we'll all follow together. So that's tricky business, bringing this into organizational life, and it takes experience. And a lot of time, a leader's job is to have people step into their own sense of possibility and their own confidence and their own freedom because wonderful things begin to happen then. So please don't mistake what I'm saying for there's never any room for the doing type of mind in that kind of analysis because that kind of analysis and research is responsible for some of the greatest achievements in humanity that help us all. It's just that it's overdeveloped. And this being state of mind is something that has to be cultivated consciously because the culture supports the other one so much. So how can you cultivate that among your people? Maybe just starting a meeting with a bell and having them listen to the sound of bell and pause. So there are so many ways. And look for the book. I look forward to the book. <laughs> we probably have time for one more. I had written you a note to ask you this question, but then I had forgot we might have this opportunity. Um, yesterday, um, you talked about no thought, um, that sort of space um, between thinking and... Uh, so I'm, st I'm stumbling here because I'm not sure how to say it the way you said it, um, but it... Um, I was wondering if you if you could clarify um, when there is no thought, is that because you're anchored to your particular anchor? When there is this place of no thought, is that no thought because you are anchored to your particular anchor? Um, yes, I believe that is very much a part of it. And at that point, when there are no thoughts and you feel like you're resting in just that vastness of whatever is, you don't need an anchor anymore. The breath and wherever you are just become interweaved in this wonderful sort of um, place that is indescribable. You are resting in ultimate reality in some way, form, or shape at that point. And um, enjoy it. There you are. Uh, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that this practice doesn't allow us to be happy. And nothing could be further from the truth. There are, mindfulness allows us to know pleasant is pleasant and to fully, fully enjoy it. And that place of emptiness without thoughts is one of the most beautiful mm -hmm. that we can just rest in.
So you're there. Enjoy. Thank you. My question is about um, sleepiness. So I've, I've realized that um, part, part of why, well, I always have a hard time going to sleep. Um, and part of that has to do with being a survivor and being afraid to let go. Also feeling like there's always more I need to be doing, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Um, and so then, you know, while I'm sitting, it's like we're getting up very early and then sitting, it's really, and I haven't had a super consistent practice for a while. Um, so I often find myself falling asleep. So I'm just, I'm wondering, I know there's the physical component of actually being sleepy, but then I'm wondering if there's also something around um, not wanting to know what's there, and so kind of a shutting down. And so I'm wondering if there, like how to, how to deal with that, because it's obviously like two, twofold, one of like actually being able to get enough sleep, and then being able to relax enough when I'm sitting to just be with what is, because I've been finding myself just kind of, when I am sitting and I am awake, I'm kind of just like soothing myself the whole time, almost like doing this like self-meta, like it's okay, it's okay, Yiming, it's okay, Yiming, because otherwise I'm just freaking out. Um, so I'm just wondering, I don't know, I guess just kind of feedback on that. Well, I'll say a couple things and then hand the mic to, to Tara. Um, trauma is like grief, and recovering from it is a process that uh, we can't push faster than it wants to go in some ways. I think it's very, a very wonderful thing that you're exploring. Okay, if I'm constantly getting tired, and even when I stand up or open my eyes during meditation, um, that there's a sleepiness and dullness. Is there something underlying this going on? That's a very, very important uh, question to pursue, but with a sense of openness and gentleness again. And it may be one of those last categories of, I mean, the second category of questions that I talked about where you are in the process of living your way into that answer. One is it's all relative, but you look relatively young to me, and just finding this practice at that age is truly a gift. Asking the kind of question that you're asking about it is truly a gift, and finding a supportive community to hold you in the asking of that question is truly a gift. So part of it is learning to trust yourself and not needing it to show itself now. Uh, and part of it is working with the discipline. Discipline can be a container for practice when our practice is too loose. We might need to tighten it up a little bit. So, um, now, the form of that, how that works, can vary from person to person. But engaging in something each day becomes important. Using 
the discipline of some form of practice as safety. I mean, you have to do it. You can't, you can't read about it. You can't talk about it. There is a time when you just have to, to do it. Uh, so we'll start there, and I'll pass the mic to Tara. Yeah, so um, which, what you said, Sherry, really resonates. And what hit me as I listened to you is, I mean, I think it's really astute to be able to recognize that it's sleepiness biologically, and it also weaves in with just like depression, that there is a pulling away too, and that usually it's marbled together, and that's okay. We, a lot of us have that. So I just, I'm just grateful that your mindfulness, your attention notices that, and also that you're moving towards the, I don't think you can do too much self-meta and soothing. I think that, that, that the deep expression of self-meta and soothing is that you're creating a new relationship with your inner life, and that will absolutely save you. It saves all of us. So my sense is you're really on a good track. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.